and welcome to The Secret Chord. The Secret Chord is a weekly podcast that explores spirituality through the lens of great music. Each week, we select different artists and delve into their work to unpack the hidden and sometimes overt transcendent richness of their sound and words. And without further ado, please enjoy this podcast. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 47 of The Secret Chord. We're going in a slightly different direction today, and we're going to talk about the wonders of heavy metal. And to do that, I'm excited to feature the music of the great Metallica, um, one of the great American heavy metal bands founded in Los Angeles in 1981 by vocalist and guitarist James Hetfield, who we're going to focus on today, and drummer Lars Ulrich. Um, They were based out of San Francisco for most of their existence, and their speed and aggressive musicianship made them one of the founding big four bands of thrash metal. That's alongside Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer. Although I think that Metallica is by far the best of those four bands. By the way... Megadeth was founded by guitarist Dave Mustaine, who went on to form that band after being fired from Metallica for drug and alcohol abuse. And if you're interested, the most interesting scene from their 2004 documentary, Some Kind of Monster, features an emotive discussion slash reconciliation attempt between Dave and former bandmate Lars. Check that out. Metallica has released 10 studio albums, 4 live albums, a cover album, 5 extended plays, 37 singles, and 39 music videos. The band has won 9 Grammy Awards from 23 nominations, and its last 6 studio albums, beginning with one called Metallica, have consecutively debuted at number 1 on the Billboard 200. Metallica ranks as one of the most commercially successful bands of all time having sold over 125 million albums worldwide as of 2018. Rolling Stone magazine ranked them at number 61 on its 100 Greatest Artists of All Time list. As of 2017, Metallica is the third best-selling music artist since Nielsen's SoundScan began tracking sales in 1991, selling a total of 58 million albums in the United States. Now, the theme that I'd like to explore today is the process sometimes messy and intense, but also extremely critical, of moving away from a self-serving, self-indulgent, and ultimately self-destructive worldview to one that ends in a harmonious acceptance of the true nature of reality and one's own place in it. In order to do that, I'd like to explore some examples from film, and, of course, through the music of Metallica and of James Hetfield's story specifically. Let's start by recognizing that there are certain what I call moments of crystallization in life when all of the noise and meaningless baggage of our day-to-day lives suddenly vaporizes and what is left is only the pure core of the sum total of all that really matters to us. Unfortunately, these realizations tend to come to us in moments of extreme travail, pressure, and anxiety. This example I'd like to share with you comes from the incredibly depressing but fantastically well-acted film The House of Sand and Fog, starring the great Ben Kingsley, who plays a once-prosperous and proud former Iranian colonel. 
Up to this point in the film, he's working a plan to regain his former stature and wealth and defend his gains against some people who appear to be threatening them. And here's a little bit of a spoiler alert. Tragically, his son is mortally wounded in this process. We watch as all of his intense life aspirations immediately vanish, only to be replaced by one and only one thought, which is, I want only my son. Listen to his appeal. To me, this is the purest form of prayer. So that's pretty intense. And how does this all tie into Metallica, you ask? Stay tuned and listen to this. This is the song Creeping Death by the great Metallica.
Love that tune. Remarkably, this is a song about the famous Pharaoh from the book of Exodus. Pharaoh believed that he was God and that he had created himself. He had to go through an incredible inner transition to grasp that everything he believed, including about himself, was false. In that light, the ten plagues were an awareness-raising boot camp for Pharaoh, demonstrating the total mastery of the actual God of the physical and even the metaphysical world. You can see through the verses there that Pharaoh is struggling to come to grips with it, probing and testing as he went. After each plague, he has a brief moment of enhanced awareness that gets scuttled by his hard heart. Like the Ben Kingsley character from the House of Sand and Fog, it took the death of his own son, along with all the firstborn of Egypt, for him to finally understand. And then he summoned Moses and Aaron in the middle of the night and said, Up, depart from among my people, you and the Israelites with you. Go, worship the Lord as you said. Take also your flocks and your herds as you said, and be gone. And this is the important part, and he says, And may you bless me too. In mystical terms, this process is known as submission, separation, and sweetening. In the same way that to free a walnut, for instance, from the inedible shell that blocks access to the innermost part, one needs to first smash the blockage, free the nut from the husk, and only then consume the fruits. When we want to free the inner essence of a person from the blockage that surrounds and confounds all of us, and that causes us to erroneously feel as if we are the centers of the universe, events occur that smash our confidence in ourselves, in our false belief that we are the final arbiters of our destinies and that we are in full control of our lives. Though painful and confusing, this is actually a step on the road to genuine self-knowledge and spiritual awareness. And as it happens, the Hebrews were going through their own process during this time. As Metallica sings, Slaves, Hebrews born to serve to the Pharaoh, Heed to his every word, live in fear. Faith of the unknown one, the deliverer, wait, something must be done. 400 years. Now, I've played some of this music for my kids. I was just curious how they'd react. And their reaction is invariably, why are these people so angry? I think the answer is because people are angry. Not all the time, obviously, but certainly often. And this art form gives voice to that anger. The question is, why do people get so angry? When I was a kid, Darth Vader was the ultimate villain. Cruel, sinister, and power-hungry. It wasn't until the later films that any of us got to see his backstory and to understand what happened to him. Like most kids, he was good and it was only a series of heartbreaks, poor decision-making, and outside manipulation that caused his downfall. He never recovered from leaving his mother at such a tender age, and then failing to save her life. Remarkably, deep down, the ominous Darth Vader is just a kid who misses his mom. Note that Vader went through his own process of self-discovery, which was triggered by a life-and-death moment of intensity, and ended his temporal journey in a much higher place from where he started. So why was James Hetfield angry? His backstory is that he watched his mother die from cancer for refusing treatment. 
and that anger stayed with him for a very long time and made its way into many Metallica songs. James dealt with his pain the way that many do by attempting to deaden it with drugs and alcohol, which became an additional demon for him. Despite his freewheeling lifestyle and tough guy exterior, James wrote some very introspective music and poignantly reflected on his childhood trauma in the song The Unforgiven. This is off their 1991 hit record simply entitled Metallica. This is The Unforgiven by the great Metallica. This song was a new style for Metallica. They wanted to try a song with a heavy verse and a soft chorus, something rarely heard in rock and roll or metal. James's singing on this track was inspired by Chris Isaac's song, Wicked Game, 
Producer Bob Rock explained in 2011 how he changed the way he recorded his vocals on this song. And he recalled, at this point, James wanted to sing. He had done a lot of screaming, but now he wanted to go somewhere else. And he sang. With time, the child draws in, this whipping boy done wrong. Deprived of all his thoughts, the young man struggles on and on. He's known a vow unto his own that never from this day his will they'll take away. And then he says, what I've felt, what I've known, never shined through in what I've shown. Never free, never me. So I dub thee unforgiven. Anger is a teacher. It points the way to a big crack in our inner system and is ultimately doing us a favor by clearly indicating that something is wrong and needs to be addressed. Interestingly, after James won his battle against his addictions, which was a major theme in that film, Some Kind of Monster, they entitled their next album, Saint Anger, giving a nod to the more elevated take on the nature of anger. Anger is the emotional response we have to a perceived lack. The antidote to it is and always will be humility. And the worse the case, the heftier the dose that's required to fix it. Again, the goal is to achieve a level of awareness that's maximally beneficial to us as humans, one that helps us to realize that there are only a very few things in life that are very important. And for the second film example I'd like to share with you, this is from the final season of the incredible series Game of Thrones. This is Jamie and Cersei Lannister in their last moments on Earth together. Let's listen. Look at me. Look at me. No one like this. No one like this. No one like this. Look, look me in the eye. Don't look away. Don't look. Look at me. Just look at me. Nothing else matters. What a perfect segue into our main feature for today. Let's hear that now. This is Nothing Else Matters by the great Metallica.
What an amazing tune. And I wanted to check out what heavy metal fans think about spirituality and its connection to heavy metal. So I went online and found a website called metalforum.com. And there I read the following. I mean, if you think about it, spirituality and music have been tied together since they started. People originally would have sung out of joy, and joy is really at the core of spirituality. Even nowadays, many spiritual movements in and outside of religions have a big emphasis on singing and dancing as a means of celebrating life, God, or whatever it is they talk about. I kind of feel the same, I suppose. I like to celebrate things through music, and I find that metal is definitely one of the most celebratory styles out there in that it's no-hold-barred, off-the-wall, totally ecstatic, and primal stuff. That's pretty deep for a metalhead. So once James Hetfield got sober, and he considers himself now reborn straight-edge, he found a new appreciation for spirituality. In a recent interview with Francis Click magazine, James was asked if he believes in God. He said, 
I believe in a higher power, yes. I don't know. He, she, it, whatever. I see it everywhere. It's everything to me. May it be in the end that through the pain and tribulation that we all must go through, that it helps us to see what James Hetfield was able to and to know in our souls that really and truly that there is nothing else that matters. These are my thoughts on Metallica, their music, and their spirituality. And as always, we look forward to being together next time for more music and more ideas. Thank you for listening. Please consider leaving a comment or a review to help us spread the word. And please subscribe to the podcast on any of the major podcasting platforms. To support us, please visit our Patreon account. And if you'd like to communicate with me directly, please feel free to email me at ajacobs at The Secret Chord is produced and engineered by Naor Cohen. <laughs>